So if you have a Bible this morning, go with me to Luke chapter 22. This is going to be like coffee this morning. Quick, black, and hot. Like coffee. It's going to be like, just like Pastor Nee. Quick, black, and hot. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 22. What I'm trying to say is we will not be verbose this morning. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. We can just stop right there for a minute. It is very important for us to really take note of the series of messages that God is bringing to us. Especially in this era of grace that we're talking about. Because now when I read the scriptures, I begin to be quickened as to the the magnitude of God's grace. In a way that had never paid it any attention before. So Jesus here is about to say something very important to Peter. Because he called his name twice. Simon, Simon. In other words, I need to get your attention. Now, consistent with Jesus, as we've seen in the book of John, when we studied John. In John 1, 17, the Bible says, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. And consistently, all through the Gospels, and since then, now I'm going back and reading, and I'm seeing, wow, this is not just the book of John. God is consistent with this. Is consistent in never labeling you on the basis of your present condition. God does not look at me and you and say, you know what? This is where you are today. I'm going to label you. I'm just going to put a label on you. No. He sees us on the basis of his finished work. If this is all I say today, I'm really praying that you get it and just embrace it. Because this orientation will change not only the way you think, but the way you see things and see other people. Now, to appreciate what I'm saying and what we're about to address, go to John chapter 1. For one quick second. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Simon, Simon. John chapter 1. Okay, verse 42. Well, let's verse 41. Verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon 
and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonas, or the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas. Now, what is so significant about this? Jesus saw Peter. He said, I know what, they, what you call, you call Simon. That's, that's what everybody calls you. He said, but you shall be called Cephas. Simon means shifting sand. Simon means one who is inconsistent. Simon means one who is fickle. They're here today, they're tomorrow. You can never count on them. They say they're going to be somewhere at 2 p.m., they show up at 3 o'clock. They say they're going to do something, they never do it. They are just not consistent. You cannot build the kingdom of God on inconsistent human beings. You are Simon. But notice, he did not even ask Peter to give him, to have a dialogue. He said, you are, no, you are Simon. You shall be called Cephas. This is what you are, but this is what you will be. From shifting sand, you're going to become Cephas, a rock. In other words, by the time I'm done with you, Simon, you will no longer have to shift. You will become a rock. You will become the emblem of stability. Upon this rock, we can build our church. And Jesus, in one of his other teachings, in the Beatitudes, was telling us that if you're going to build, you have to dig a foundation and build upon the rock. So what God is saying is, Peter, right now, based on where you are, yes, you may be inconsistent, you are a shifting sign, but by the time I'm done with you, it's going to be a different story entirely. You're going to become a rock. You're going to become a tool, an instrument. You're going to become that which I can build upon. Many of us are faced with situations, circumstances, things that's happening in our lives for which you almost judge yourself, you discount yourself, you say, I'm not qualified, I'm not able, I cannot do this, I cannot do that, based on your present circumstance. Not taking into account what the grace of God can do and the difference that the Jesus factor makes in all of our lives. And you know, it's amazing for me as you look scripture after scripture after scripture. Let's go to the book of Judges. Let's go to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. And as you're turning there, let me just announce to you that you are not going to fail. It doesn't matter what the circumstance looks like. If you understand the grace factor, and you embrace the grace factor, and you understand that you are on your way to your destiny, 
to what God has ordained for you, regardless of where you are right now. If you understand that the born again person, as the Bible says in John chapter 3 verse 8, is like the wind that comes and goes that we don't know where it's coming from or going. If you understand that, yes, you may have challenges, but you will outlive the challenges. Look at Judges chapter 6. Look at verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizirat, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Look at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Are you kidding me? Did you understand what we just read? Gideon was so afraid of the enemy, he was threshing wheat at a wine press. In Israel, wheat should be threshed in open outdoors so that the wind can help blow away the child from the wheat. But there was so much fear and oppression taking place in that day and time Gideon was in a cave hiding from the Midianites. Full of fear. And the angel of the Lord found him and said, You mighty man of valor. (laughs) A man that is shaking in his boots that's afraid of the enemy. God found him and said, You're a man of valor. Totally contrary to his present situation. God was calling those things that be not as though they were. I just wonder here this morning how many of you are going to agree with God and say to God, God, I know you finished before you began me and therefore I'm not frightened, I'm not in anxiety, I'm not in worry, I'm not in doubt, I'm not in fear. I know I've been created to be an overcomer. Overcoming, I will overcome because greater is he that is in me that is than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. God is just looking for someone to agree with him. It's amazing. Time after time after time. Nathaniel announced and said, can any good thing come out of Israel or Nazareth? And Jesus saw him. He said, behold an Israelite in whom there's no God. Hello? If we embrace this, it will change the way we speak to people. We will not call people by what we see. We will call them by what God sees. Hallelujah. So here in Luke chapter 22, Jesus is speaking to Peter. Actually, when you read the passage and read it in various translations, he was actually speaking to all of the disciples. Let me correct myself. Even though he called Peter's name. In Luke 22, I'm back in Luke 22. In verse 31. And the Lord says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. That word you in the Greek is the plural, is the pronoun that is plural. You means collectively all of you. Satan wants to sift all of you. 
Can you give me that translation? Luke 22, verse 31. Give it to me in the NET. You have the NET? NET means New English Translation. Are you sure you don't have it? Uh, what do you have? No, 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 no. Okay, try the Amplified. Try the Amplified. Quickly, please. Pardon me? You have NET? Ah, but she said we don't have it. Oh, okay. How about Amplified? Okay. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has asked excessively that all of you be given up to him out of the power and keeping of God that he might sift all of you like grain. It's important you, you get that. He was not just talking to Peter alone. Peter was a representative head of everybody else. Are you understanding that? So Jesus was saying to all of them that Satan has asked excessively. He just didn't come one time to ask. Excessively, consistently, every day, every hour. Please, let me deal with them. Now, let me clarify one more thing with this passage. This trial is not intended to cause the disciples to lose their salvation. When we say that Peter denied Jesus or betrayed Jesus, we are not talking about their redemption or salvation. There is a saving faith and there is a living faith. Ah, no, okay, I know, I see now, I need to, I need to park here for a minute because you guys are looking at me funny. Seven faith, you need it one time. You're born again. Bang, it's done. Seven faith. But beyond being saved, there is a continuous, daily, consistent, living faith that must be in operation. What Jesus is addressing here is the issue of the living faith. Ah. Okay, let, let, let me go to one scripture to establish that because I want to make sure you guys get the truth. James chapter 1. Give it to me in the... Uh, you say you don't have the message Bible. Message? And it is actually what that. Let me see what the message says. John, James chapter 1. Verse uh, 3. James 1, 3. Ah, you know that under pressure... Your faith what? Life. It is a saving faith. Your faith life. It's forced into the open and shows its true colors. Your faith life. Your living faith life. Give it to me in the Amplifier. Let me see what Amplifier says. If he doesn't say it right, I have to write my own Bible. Okay, be assured of and understand that the trial and proven of your faith. Mm, it tried. Bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. Give a message. Did you give a message before? 
No, not NSB. Uh, give me NIV. Let me see what NIV says. No, no, no. Okay, all right. That's, that's, that's good enough. But the point I'm making here is this. Beyond your saving faith, you and I must actively have a living faith. That's what the enemy comes to test. There's something else you need to know. The reason the enemy challenges and tests our living faith and the reason what Peter is about to go through is so important is because it has to do with hope. Now, this is what's happening. Jesus has been arrested. You have to understand Peter and the disciples' position. They have never seen Jesus in a place of weakness. I remember years ago when I underwent surgery, heart surgery. Tony was in school at UGA. She came home and came to the hospital and, and she saw me laying there in the bed and she just, she just, what's the word? Lost it. And, uh, and, and I was able to ask her, I said, well, I mean, I'm fine. I'm, what's, 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 what's wrong? And she said to me what I'm saying now. She had never seen me in that kind of vulnerable position before. So for these disciples, they've seen Jesus raise the dead, open blind eyes, I mean, heal the lame, the deaf has heard, and on and on and on and on he goes. So now, Peter and the rest of them, once he was arrested, the rest of them checked out. They ran. Peter had enough courage to at least say, I'm going to see what the end is going to be like. <laughs> From the other court looking in and say, okay, let's, let's just see what's happening. He had never seen his Lord in that kind of weak position. The entire message that Jesus had preached to them, the kingdom of God is, is, is upon you. It's at hand. It's at hand. So for Peter, you must understand, where is this kingdom? The one who is to bring the kingdom is arrested in a weak position. So there must be no message. There must be no kingdom. What was being challenged is hope. Is hope. Hope means the expectation of something coming that's good. And whenever our hope is challenged, if God does not help us and we understand grace, you sink. Because everything around you is saying, there's no hope. It's not going to happen. Good news is delayed. There's no manifestation. Nobody's going to help you. Everything around you is going to fail. So there's a sense of hopelessness that can arrest a person in a given situation that if grace does not step in and if you don't lift yourself up, you sink. And that's exactly what the enemy was about to do with Peter. Are you following me? Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Do you know what the sifting of wheat is? When a farmer harvests the crop, wheat, the wheat itself is inside a shaft that covers it. It's amazing God's wisdom. Because while the wheat is growing, it needed 
the protection that the shaft gives from the elements so it can grow and thrive. But when the growth has been completed, you cannot eat the wheat with the shaft. So that which was needful as a season will now need to be discarded in another season. So Jesus said to Peter, Simon, shifting sand, the enemy, Satan, has desired to sift you as wheat. In other words, what the enemy is intended to do is to so shift you as a farmer shifts or threshes wheat to make you disintegrate and all of what you've acquired in the kingdom of God based on what I've taught you and showed you and graced you to do, you will lose it. Because the threshing floor is a place of separation. You, do, you don't leave the threshing floor the way you came in there. It's not possible. It's not possible. Are you hearing me? But that's not even the message this morning. The message this morning is the next sentence. Oh, hallelujah. Look back again in Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. Verse 32. But I have prayed for you. But I have prayed for you. I know the enemy wants to challenge your hope. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I know the enemy has been sent to challenge hope in your life. And I understand that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when you've been believing God for something and that thing is deferred, I know how it can make you sick, Peter. Therefore, I want you to know, I have what? Prayed for you. And you and I know that there's no prayer of Jesus that will go unanswered. It's not possible. To show you the grace factor. He said, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Now look at the next sentence and that's the essence of this whole message. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Oh my God. I don't know if you guys just saw it. Jesus was so confident. Satan has asked for permission to save you as wheat. I have prayed for you that your faith do not fail. As a result of my confidence, knowing what my grace will do that you will not fail. Oh, Peter, when you have returned, when you are converted, when you have returned back to me, strengthen your brethren. He, Jesus, was given to Peter an advanced restoration in the knowledge, even though he was aware that something was pending to happen to him, he was already restoring him before it happened. Hey. Oh my God. I don't know about you guys. If I preach this in Thailand, this place will be shaking. What is wrong with you people? I'm saying before it ever happened, Jesus gave the remedy. What is your problem today? What is happening to you that Jesus has not already remedied before it happened? And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And at the time he was speaking, the temptation had not even happened yet. 
He graciously restored Peter in advance. Even with the knowledge of the approaching denial. That's the grace of God, my friends. Before the man stumbled, he was restored. And you and I, we offend one another, we can forgive one another. And the God that we serve, before the man can even make the mistake, he says it's already done. He did not ask Peter, do you believe me? Did you receive it? None of that. Blank check. You are going to deny me. You are going to fail. You are going to have problems. But I've prayed for you. And when you've returned to me, don't just take it for yourself alone. Strengthen your brethren. Why? Because it is to all of you that the enemy wants to challenge and shift. But I'm speaking to you, Peter. I'm taking you out of the bunch. You are going to be my agent mm. to go and reconcile and restore everybody else hey. as a result of what God has done for you. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. What an incredible grace. What an incredible grace. Before you sin, you are forgiven. <laughs> Before you lost that business deal, it's restored back. Before the enemy touches your body in sickness, I've healed you. Our challenge is just simply believing. It's all over the scriptures, my friends. I saw that. I said, What? Before the man even denied you, you already promised his restoration. That's the same offer that God has for us now. It has not changed. But not just for me alone. Now with that same spirit that you are receiving it, you need to give it out to others. How will our relationships dramatically change? If on the basis of the grace that we receive, we give that same grace out. And don't judge anybody because God has judged. Jesus never asked Peter, why did you deny me? Never. The question, he never, he never asked him that. It was bigger than that. How big do you want God to be in your life? Are we going to take the responsibility for strengthening our brethren? I look around this auditorium this morning. We have more angels here than people. I don't know if it's because because of the rain or if people are having issues. When are we going to be our brother's keeper? When are we going to say, Father, I've received something from you. I'm going to find my brother, my sister, and make sure they get this in. I'm not saying that we should become our brothers and sisters of, uh, and take their offense. No. And did Peter live up to Jesus' expectation? 
Absolutely. 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 Why did he live up to his expectation? Because Jesus made sure he did. That's John 21. But I said, I'm going to go out fishing. Let me tell you something about that. Anytime a believer backslides, they'd never do it alone. A believer never backslides alone. Never. They always take two or three people with them. Always. Always. And there's a way in which they find one another. Peter just said, I'll go out fishing. And Nathaniel said, wait a minute, you can't go by yourself. Thomas, the unbeliever, said, yeah, you cannot go by yourself. John and James, the sons of Zebedee, oh, we're going to go as well. When Elimelech in the book of Ruth was going to backslide and go to the land of Moab, who did he take? His wife and his two sons. They never go alone. Never go alone. But the good news, the good news is that when God restores a man or a woman, he never restores alone either. That is the good news. Because when Naomi was being restored, hallelujah, Ruth the Moabite followed her back into her restoration. Now, this is, the, this, is, this is the punchline. This is where I'll close. I told you it was going to be like coffee. Quick, hot, and black. This is good news. This is where it gets good. And I pray that God will help us to get what I'm about to say. Ruth, the Mobite, did not want Naomi's God when her, when her husband was alive, when Elimelech was alive, when everything was going fine. We miss great opportunities to share Jesus. You and I are looking to share when conditions are perfect. People don't come to God under perfect conditions. Even Thomas could not follow Jesus under Jesus' perfect condition. Jesus had to say, Thomas, look at the scars in my hands. Mm. Look at my side that was pierced. Mm. What's the message? What battle scars are you showing people? What are they seeing in your life? Jesus showed the scars of his wounds to Thomas. It was his scars and the piercing that convinced him that this is real. There's a reason they call them scars. Every day when I'm getting dressed and I see the scar on my chest from a surgery, it brings a remembrance of November 2004. Now, this is the thing about scars. Scars do not come with the pain 
you are reminded that there was a day when you were pained. But the scar is a testimony that the pain is gone and the healing has come. Hey! So what I'm saying to you this morning, work fine, is that Jesus, the scars on his hands were a testimony of what he went through and also a testimony of what he has conquered. And likewise, now Jesus is telling Peter, when you have returned to me, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. In other words, tell them the story of how you thought by your own strength you can stand and defend me. But in the hour of weakness, when you saw me as I was, you failed, you fell, but you are no longer failing. You fell one day, but now you've been restored Tell them the story. Let them know where I brought you from. Yeah. And out of that testimony, they will gain Woo. strength for their own journey. Hey. Yeah. We don't want to share when we're weak. When you've returned, strengthen your brethren. Don't bypass the process. Let them know. Listen, there was a day when this happened and that happened. Mm. However, God has given me victory. That is what encourages other people. That is what brings them in. That's what we can build on. Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your sisters. Amen? Hallelujah. I'll save the clip to next Sunday, Sam. That's a clip I want to show you guys, but I won't do it today. I'll do it next Sunday. Let's just take a pause right there. Can we just rest to our feet for a minute? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just want to thank you this afternoon. Some of us are battle weary. We've been in places and situations so hard, so tough, so trying, so exhausting. We're looking unto you right now. We're looking unto you for life support. Help from above. And so, Father God, we receive your grace. We thank you that whatever that situation is, you do not put us under. Thank you, Lord. It will not put us under. You have not created us. To be subjected to the elements of this world. But rather that the elements will be subjected to us. Through and in you. And so Father we receive victory for every man and every woman. Under the sound of my voice. No matter what they are faced with. Lord we receive that victory right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord God that we are more than conquerors. Through you who loved us. And so, Lord, we thank you for restoration. We thank you for blessings. We thank you for everything that you are making to work together for our good. And yes, we become your agents of restoration for others. Give us the words, the wisdom to bring encouragement to our brothers and our sisters. My Lord God, in the name of Jesus, as you said to Peter, God, we thank you that we'll be the agents of strength to our brothers and sisters. We receive it now. We bless you for it. Thank you, Lord God, 
for your goodness that's upon us. And we receive your grace. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.